Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for Wednesday, March 29th. I'm Logan Finney. Governor Brad Little issued a surprising veto on Monday this week, rejecting the big property tax bill that lawmakers have been working on all session. Joining me to discuss that veto and the transportation concerns behind it is Margaret Carmel from Boise Dev. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, Margaret. So you were on the press call with me and some other reporters with the governor's staff kind of outlaying uh, the governor's concerns with 292, the property tax bill. What was your biggest takeaway from that press call? Really what I heard is that this bill made a lot of small changes that had big impacts. One of the biggest ones that Governor Little was concerned about, other than the removal of the March election for school bonds, was the order in which sales tax revenue was used to pay bills. Essentially, we all have an order in which we pay our bills, and we're going to pay rent first, and then we're going to pay electricity, and then we're going to buy groceries. And this bill sort of reordered that, and that had an impact on these bonds, and that could jeopardize $400 million of transportation funding, according to the governor's office. And that was really the major impetus behind pumping the brakes. Right. This has to do with uh, what's called the TECM funding, and that stands for Transportation Expansion and Congestion Mitigation. So these are funds from the state that are for uh, building out the travel system and making traffic in congestion times less across the state. That's right. And these bonds are used to pay for really major projects that are in the works, the widening of the interstate between Pocatello and Idaho Falls, the Highway 16 extension, the ongoing widening of I-84 between Canyon County and Ada County, those major flagship projects that are kind of taking Idaho from a rural state to a rapidly growing one is, I mean, that's what really would have been impacted here, according to the governor's office. And these truly were projects all over the state. You mentioned the ones in the Treasure Valley. There's some over in eastern Idaho, up north. Uh, they're working on expanding Interstate 90 from the Washington state line to Coeur d'Alene, um, some bridges over the Clearwater outside of the Lewiston area. So this really had a, a big impact. And the you, you referenced specifically this had to do with the state issuing bonds to pay for these uh, transportation projects. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Right. We talk a lot about bonding in municipal government, but it's kind of vague actually what it means. And so really what a, what a bond is, is the government putting up, putting these things up for sale, these bonds up for sale. And what that is, is a promise that if you give me money to build my project, you lend me money, I will pay it back later. And a big part, it's essentially a loan. It's a way for governments to borrow money to do projects that they don't have the cash to afford now, but they can afford over time. Think of it like a mortgage. Right. And a big part of how that runs is the value of those bonds or the amount of money that we can borrow to do these projects is contingent on our credit rating, a.k.a. how likely are we to pay it back? How stable are we? And a concern that the governor's office had is that if we're about to sell these bonds and then the legislature switches up the process in which these bonds are paid for, then it could damage our credit rating because it could it could make the system more unstable and potential purchasers those purchasers of those bonds or lenders in this situation are going to say oh i don't know if that's stable because i don't know what if idaho doesn't have the money in their sales tax to get to paying for these sales tax bonds and they can't pay me enough so i'm not going to lend them as much money and that is really where we get into into danger with 
hurting these these projects that and again that's according to the governor's office i got the impression listening to the house debate there might be some disagreement on how big of a deal this actually is but that was the governor's office's justification and their concern for vetoing the bill yeah that's that's kind of similar what i've heard with the the house members they've said maybe these concerns were a little bit overblown but yeah, I mean, you know how bankers are. They're a cautious breed, <laughs> especially when you've got $400 million on the line. For sure. And one thing we constantly hear in, whenever making laws is whenever you make a law and you change up the process in the middle of something going on, whether that's an economic development deal because of urban renewal and data centers, which is something we've talked about before, or if that's something else, you know, another process, it creates uncertainty. It creates uncertainty in the market. It creates uncertainty with lenders, firms that want to bid on projects, all kinds of things. And so this uncertainty caused the Idaho Housing and Finance Association, which is the, uh, the entity that does this bonding and does the, the banking and financing for this, they paused a transaction that was underway this week said that that was a result of of 292 and the, the, the tweaks that it made. So when it comes to local governments funding these transportation projects, what sort of difference does the support from the state make for local governments with transportation? Yeah, I mean, projects like this are really going to be make or break. I mean, we look at Highway 16, that's something that people have wanted in the Treasure Valley for a while, but those projects are so high dollar that it takes state investment to come in and make them happen. And and Idaho also especially you know has a lot of state highways that serve as local roads. When you drive into Boise and you get on Broadway, that's an, that is a state highway. When you are driving on Front and Myrtle in downtown Boise, that is also a state highway. When you are on Glenwood in Northwest Boise, that is also a state highway. And so we have a really interesting situation where we have these roads that we use to drive to the grocery store that are also under control of the state and need to be funded by the state. And so the way, in order to have these funding mechanisms to borrow more money and do these big dollar projects, that's kind of what's gonna take us into the next phase of growth and the next phase of what Idaho is going to be. You can't grow as much as we need to grow to match the needs without without borrowing, or at least that's the perspective of the governor's office. Not everyone agrees with that. I'm sure there's a lot of conservative lawmakers who don't don't like bonding. They, they, they say if we can't afford it with the cash in the bank, don't buy it. Sure. Yeah, I'm, interest is expensive over time. Um, and like you were saying, this does kind of mark a shift in the last couple of years over how the state approaches paying for transportation. Uh, when the Techum Fund was first set up in 2017, it was just the money in the fund that was given to, to pay for uh, transportation. You and I were kind of talking earlier, it's like the difference between a debit card and a credit card, right? You have the cash on hand or you can borrow. Um, and so in 2019 actually is when the legislature said, okay, let's open up the Techum Fund, let's allow this to be used for bonding, and then they've increased the amount of money that goes into that over the last couple of years. Um, and that includes the Techum Fund at the state level gets at least $80 million each year, um, but anything above that goes out to local governments to use for their own local projects, not necessarily something that's ITD supervised. Um, Margaret, you've done some coverage on House Bill 237, which I believe just passed uh, the Senate this week. Tell me about what it does, how it's trying to 
tighten down on what locals can use that sort of funding for, and, and not just the Techum funds, but other transportation funds, and, and why the legislature wants to uh, tighten up how locals use transportation funds. Right, so this bill was a part of several that came through the session this year that limited what can be spent using transportation funds from highway districts. Uh, they were really focused on saying, okay, if you're gonna use TECA money, you can only use it for road projects. You can't use it to build bike lanes, you can't use it to build sidewalks. There was another bill that clarified what does congestion mitigation mean? What does it mean to, to alleviate traffic? And what they said is it involves building roads for cars, not building a bike lane or building a sidewalk so you can walk to the grocery store instead of driving there. Um, and, and then this other bill, 237, was, it kind of took it a step further and said highway districts have to use their own property taxes and state sales taxes for projects primarily for cars. If that sounds vague, it's because it is. <laughs> um, there's a lot of conversations in, the ha in both chambers about what exactly this means. Uh, the way it was described by sponsor Majority Leader Megan Blanksma was that it would essentially say these governments, they have to build projects for cars with property tax money first, and then they can maybe go build a bike lane or a sidewalk. But it's really unclear. Like, we don't, we don't know a lot about exactly would, the, would ACHD be able to use property tax money to build a bike lane on 8th Street? Even though that you know, even though that's a small, it's a small minority of their budget. The majority of their property tax funds goes to widening roads and, and building infrastructure for cars. But would that outright prevent property tax funds from used on that project? It's kind of unclear. As to the motivation for this, it, it likely all stems back to the election in November. Miranda Gold defeated. Mary May, and this is the Ada County Highway District election, and what it did was it put a majority of people in power who are thinking about bike lanes and pedestrian infrastructure, and they want to see more of that as transportation solutions, not just all roads widening, all cars all the time. It's kind of the criticism you hear is, oh, we just add another lane, it'll fix it. Exactly, and so that, and that really frustrated um, powerful Republicans like uh, Speaker of the House Mike Moyle, Representative Joe Palmer from Meridian. I mean, and so uh, the, there hasn't really been a clear answer in conversations about, so why are you doing this? What is the problem you're trying to fix? But there have been some vague mentions of, well, there is some of this happening. And so it's likely trying to head that off at the pass with this fear from conservatives, Republicans, that ACHD is now going to go buck wild and build a build only bike lanes and not and widen any roads or build any other projects. And so that's really where a lot of this likely stems from. Sure. F from my, my impression, looking across these couple of different policy bills, defining congestion mitigation, telling locals they have to use it primarily for motor vehicles, it seems like the message from the state is transportation is to be used for cars, not for projects to reduce the cars on the road, is, is what they're wanting locals to focus on. Right, and the interesting hang up with all of this stuff is that in 90%, 99% of Idaho, you, ha you live in a city and your city builds sidewalks and they build bike lanes and they build whatever they wanna build and then the highway district does everything in the county. And that's fine because most county roads throughout Idaho are farm roads, two lane roads, 
just you know the Idaho Road I'm talking about. But in Ada County, ACHD, the highway district, covers the entire county. So they are in charge of that two-lane country road in far western Meridian, and they're also in charge of the streets in downtown Boise and the bench that doesn't have sidewalks and a lot of people that don't own cars and need to walk. And so it creates this situation where to people in 99% of Idaho, this bill really won't, it, it really doesn't do much because highway districts probably aren't building a bike lane in the middle of a cornfield in Declo. But in Boise, it really exerts a lot of power purely because of the super unique setup we have for municipal government. Totally, and that's one of the joys of legislating for a whole state is that your policies have to work all over the state. Uh, there's there's one other transportation issue I wanted to ask you about real quick. When we had you on the podcast earlier in the session, we talked about House Bill 25, which had to do with the streets that specifically in downtown Boise just ring the Capitol building. Um, where is that bill sitting right now? So that bill, last I heard, was held sitting on the Senate reading calendar. They haven't voted on it yet. But something very interesting is happening. We have two conflicting legislative opinions on whether this is legal. Um, the se uh, Senator Chuck Winder took the bill to Raul Labrador, Attorney General Raul Labrador's office and said, hey, is this legal? And they signed off on it. They said, yes, the state can intervene and, and, and exert this final control over roads that ring the Capitol building. Senator Melissa Wintrow said, I'm gonna look for another opinion. So she took the bill to legislative service offices attorney who advises the legislature and he said, no, this is not legal because the constitution says that the, uh, the legislature cannot be intervening on road projects. And so that we're kind of have a clash right now where we have two different opinions. And, and in the committee hearing where it passed to the Senate floor, even Chuck Winder said, I think this is going to be a learning experience. That was his <laughs> phrase as it passed. And so we're going to see what happens and it likely will set us up for a court battle. Okay. And of course, a court battle that is dependent on whether or not the bill finally makes it through the legislature with it being one that's being pushed by a transportation chairman in the House, Joe Palmer. I imagine it's getting caught up in all of the politicking around finding a final solution for the property tax veto. Um, Margaret Carmel with BoiseDev.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week. You're welcome. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marsha Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.